Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Factorally. Um, so Bruce and I are, are both voiceover artists. We spend an awful lot of time sitting in a box, uh, talking into a microphone with no one else in our lives at all. Um, but every now and then we get together and we, we discuss interesting, random facts. You say interesting. <laughs> it's open to interpretation, I'm aware. Yes. <laughs> interesting to us. Yeah. I mean, I think, honestly, when you're doing these things, you've got to be interested in in the stuff that you're talking about. Otherwise, totally. what's the point? We have deleted a couple of episodes that turned out to be utter codswallop. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we only we only. Although the codswallop loose. one was fine. Oh, the codswallop one wasn't codswallop, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Bruce, tell our dear listeners what we're talking about this week. Right. Well, we were thinking about it, and we decided to talk about paper and that's a bit dull yeah so we thought what about things you can do with paper paper art paper art. so this week's episode is all about paper art things you can make with paper or do mm. with paper that are arty or crafty or clever in some way or make more of that material hmm indeed my knowledge of paper art up until this point was uh, fairly minimalist when when you bruce suggested let's do an episode on on paper art, I instantly, I, I don't know what you originally thought as you were saying that. Did you have like sort of one keyword that popped up into your head when you said paper art? Yes, but it was the wrong one. Because ah. I thought uh, decolletage when I actually meant decoupage. And they are oh. quite different. They are quite different. <laughs> <laughs> as I'm sure we'll soon find out. Um, my instant thought when you said paper art was um, those Christmas decorations. Yes. You know, when you, you get several sheets of paper and you put them together, you fold them in half, and you cut out half of a Christmas tree or half of a snowman or half of a snowflake, and then you open them up and they make a sort of a 3D fan shape yes. thingy. Um, my household as a child was full of these things, and that's instantly where I, I went when you said paper art. I thought, how the heck are we going to do an episode on that? But there's more to it than that, There is thankfully. so much more. <laughs> so much more. I mean, I remember when I was a kid doing the similar thing, but with... Um, Little people holding hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember those. You did them at school. Yes. Or paper chains. Yes, paper, paper chains at Christmas, getting your mm. lips all covered in glue. So what, where should we start? Do you want to start with, li with licking bits of paper or cutting bits of paper or folding bits of paper? Oof, crikey. Take your pick. Lick, fold or glue. Let's start with fold, because I think that's the thing that's going to okay. people are going to go into first. It's the most obvious, isn't it? And origami. Origami. What do you know about origami, Bruce? Um, I know that um, I now know two more Japanese words <laughs> than, than I did. Good. Uh, or, ori and ori gami. and kame, uh, uh -huh. which is paper and fold. As literal as that, it means yes. paper fold. Yes. Nice and easy. And it's probably about 2,000 years old. Crikey. Probably came from China. When Basically, the first time that paper was invented. Hmm. In the invention of paper, the first invention of folding paper was probably there as well. And, and when you see that you can fold paper, you can do things with folded paper. Yes. But it's so expensive paper when it first oh. comes out that you have to restrict it to very rich people or to very religious people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the monks would use origami to make uh, religious symbolism and things like that. Right. And it was very time consuming. And if you're a monk, you've got nothing but time. 
<laughs> so, so that was done like two two thousand years ago. But then modern origami has actually not been around for that long. Um, modern origami started in about eighteen eighty. Recent as that, huh? Can you do any origami? I can't. I've I've tried many times. My son's actually quite good at it. But uh, no, I have no dexterity in my hands whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I can really do fast and well in, in origami is to make a paper aeroplane. Okay, well, y- yeah, if we can classify <laughs> paper aeroplanes as origami, then I'm a master of origami. <laughs> oh, no, there you go. Well, well it's, it is still folding paper, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah. There are people who take it very seriously, uh, paper aeroplanes. The, the world record is held by... Three aerospace engineers. The world record for the best paper aeroplane is it's about 280 feet. Goodness me. Which is nearly the length of a football pitch. Oh, crikey. That's hand-thrown. You know, yeah, yeah. There's not any Not catapulted of... or anything, yeah. That's, that's some very good engineering. That took about six seconds to get, to get that sort of nearly 300 feet. But is, is that art or is that craft or is that science? Oh, or is there even a difference? So, uh, Simon, you've always got uh, good records on stuff. Have you got any good records on origami? Uh, yes. Um, again, thanks to the, the Guinness Book of Records, uh, the the largest number of origami pieces collated together. This is impressive. 6,110 origami flowers were made and put together into one single art installation, I suppose. Wow. Um, they were created by uh, Mori Elementary School, in Japan, just last year, 2022. Gosh, that's that's impressive stuff. It's a lot of origami. I mean, there are other sorts of folded paper that aren't origami, right? Which which I personally think are incredibly artistic, hmm. and that is the pop-up book. Not for a second did I think <laughs> you would be bringing pop-up books into this. <laughs> I mean, the pop-up book is, is something that is a work of art. I mean, there are mm. book collectors that, that actually collect very early uh, pop-up books. And there are also some sort of fairly modern ones that are, that are, that are sort of limited edition yeah. that have become quite rare. But the pop-up book was, was, was first invented a lot longer ago than you might think, 1240. Crikey. There was a a guy called Matthew Paris in 1240 who he had a book that had like rotating wheels within wheels. You know, you know those books that you kind of yes. you can rotate a a wheel in a, in, a, in a pop up book, and it was used to calculate holidays and to do various sort of like religious things. Oh, so it was functional. It was a, oh, yeah, a, yeah. a working tool. It wasn't just for for lols. No, it was almost like a like a slide rule. Oh, brilliant. Um, but, you know, children obviously love a pop-up book. And the, yeah. the first kids' pop-up books were sort of around about in the 1700s. Wow. Um, and they, they were called Lift the Flap, and they were very basic. So yes. basic. So you had, like, multiple layers of paper that were cut. Yes. And you could ask a question and then lift a flap and see an answer underneath. Yes, okay. Yeah. But they, they also used that technology slightly earlier, actually, in about 1600s, to uh, demonstrate anatomy. So they would have pop-up books with with layers, so you could kind of like peel the skin off and then peel oh, the brilliant uh, the the musculature off and then yeah. look at the innards and th- they were actually used as instruction books for for medical students right. and surgeons as as guidebooks as guidebooks. So rather than actually having to cut real people up, you could just do it in paper. 
also in the 1800s for children. They, they came up with ones where you can actually take little figures out of the book hmm. that popped up. And then, hmm. you, then there, were clo- there was clothing hmm. that went on the figure that matched the story that was in the book. Oh, I have a vague recollection of that from my childhood, yeah. Well, my sister used to get a magazine, I think, called Bunty, a comic called Bunty. Right. I've heard of that. And on the back page, I think it had like a, a uh, like a cutout character that you could then dress up right. in various different outfits. Huh. Um, I don't know why I remember that. Probably because I used to steal her copy of Bunty and she used to steal my copy of Tiger and Jag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds like the affair that my action man had with my sister's Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> I have a pop-up book myself, which is called the the Formula One Pack, the most comprehensive, <laughs> interactive 3D study on motor racing ever. Wow! And I will I will show this to Simon, and then we will see what his reaction is. I'm um, I'm excited already. Nice. Yes. Okay. So there's a racing car that's popped up with little facts about it, all very simple. And oh my goodness me! Okay, that's a very different page. Crikey! So it, that's the central console of a racing car yeah that's just popped up in the middle of the book oh wow an actual f1 a car whole, whole ferrari whoa that's impressive i don't even understand the mechanics of how that how that works in in the page that's just bizarre it's it's a fabulous book mm. i've had it for a few years it was a present mm. and uh this is one of the books i would never part with brilliant You'll have to um, upload a, a photo of that if our listeners go to our website, factorally.com. Uh, there is a page there where we're, we're putting up photos, maps, images, all of the things that you sadly can't see <laughs> that we're describing to you. You can yes. go and see them on our website. So hopefully that, that book will make it I there. Will, I, I will make sure that there is something referring to the book. Brilliant. So Simon, what's your... Um, take on on paper art well so following on from uh folding paper uh one of the other things you can do is to cut paper uh-huh. um you said japanese origami means fold paper kirigami means to cut paper and i had no idea that this was even a thing until quite recently one of my uh one of my ongoing voiceover jobs is to provide examples of english dialogue for chinese children learning english and these scripts keep on talking about paper cutting. His hobby is paper cutting. I'm going to do some paper cutting. And I had no idea what this referred to, so I went on a, a jolly jaunt online to find out. And um, it's it's a whole thing. It, it's probably quite obvious now that I've found it because I recognise what it looks like. But essentially, one single sheet of paper with lots of delicate, intricate cuts uh, using either scissors, craft knives, tiny little scalpels, to make a beautiful picture. Um, and this originated in, in China. You know, as you said, that's pretty much where paper comes from, and therefore an awful lot of the paper arts come from that area as well. Yes. Um, this particular form of, of paper cutting, uh, there's, a, there's a style of it called um, Zianzi. And Zianzi was created in the 4th century, 4th uh, or 5th century in China. And essentially it started off as a, as a template for embroidery. So people would cut out these pictures from a single sheet of paper and lay them onto a piece of fabric uh-huh. as a template for embroidery. And then sooner or later, people realized, actually, these are pretty nice just on their own, regardless of the embroidery. Hmm. 
So they started making these things, and it's a whole pastime, it's a whole industry in China and Japan as well now, but originally in China. You can just buy these beautiful, elaborate, intricate pieces of artwork, and they're often sort of focused around uh, Chinese uh, culture. So, you know, there, there are lots of dragons, there are lots of zodiac signs, there are lots of mountains and flowers and things like that that are just so intricate and, and, and beautiful. And uh, this paper cutting has, has since made its way to all parts of the world. Uh, Indonesia, the Philippines, Poland, Israel, Sweden, Switzerland, all of these places have their own very unique take on, on paper cutting. And uh, they're, just, they're just stunning. Um, the largest ever I've been I've been dipping into the Guinness Book of Records a lot recently. <laughs> I love this website. Um, the largest ever piece of paper cutting was rectangular in shape, one meter wide by one hundred and forty three meters long. That's that's longer than wallpaper. Oh, oh yeah, it's a lot longer than wallpaper. <laughs> um, and you know, this thing took an entire team of people. It's it's sort of it's the length of the bio tapestry, if not longer. Yes. All all made out of of cut out paper. You know, it's um it's incredible. What story does it tell? I didn't get as far as looking that up. It was just pretty. Just pretty. Fair yeah. enough. Because <laughs> you can also um, scroll paper. There's a thing called quilling. There is. Where you kind of like you you sort of score the back of a piece of paper to turn it into like a a spiral curl mm, and then mm. do things with it that way yeah but but the kirigami or the kigiri or whatever it is, is yeah kirigami is is brilliant it's incredible um quilling itself is something that i had never heard of until recently um do you know why it's called quilling is it because you use feathers yeah you take a little strip of paper about a centimeter in diameter um can you have a diameter of something that's rectangular width you take a piece of paper that's about a centimetre in width, and um, you wrap it around a quill, a feather, and it turns it into a nice little coiled up spiral. And you arrange these things edgeways on, so you put them on a surface, um, you know, sideways on, so that they yeah. actually raise off the surface of, of the frame or the, the wood or the paper or whatever it is that you're laying it onto. And it creates this beautiful 3D piece of artwork with shadows and texture and um, very pretty. I, I found out that there are some technical terms for quilling. There are different shapes, different basic uh, shapes that you can quill paper okay. into. These consist of a tight coil, loose coil, teardrop, marquis, heart, loose scroll, C-scroll, no, not that kind of C-scroll, but C-scroll, <laughs> S-scroll, heart scroll, and spiral. And you can put these things all together, and they've been inlaid into furniture, into trinket boxes, or just onto a, a framed sheet of paper for its own sake, for art's sake. Um, yeah. Beautiful things. Yeah, I mean, we should we should put some uh, pictures up in the show notes. Absolutely. So put up a picture of this one. <laughs> the largest ever piece of quilling, uh, 19 metres by 15 metres. And it's a depiction, and it's blooming accurate, it's a depiction of Van Gogh's Starry Night. Wow. Made entirely out of coiled and spiralled little strips of paper somebody had way too much time on that they did <laughs> um this was created by a team of people in in vietnam only a, only a handful of years ago stunning one subject that i didn't look at talking of cutting paper mm. which was very popular because um you, you weren't really allowed to make uh, portraits of people mm. in france was this chap called silhouette yes 
I've heard I don't know whether you've done any research on silhouette because I haven't. I just know that there are people who can take a small pair of scissors and make a thing that looks like my face. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, this is this is the joy, dear listeners, of of the partnership between Bruce and myself. Whatever one of us hasn't got around to researching, through no method of coordination whatsoever, nine times out of ten, it turns out the other person has done that research. So we and fill in you? each other's. I have. Hey, I went down that route. Yeah. <laughs> um, so silhouette, uh, silhouette was a a, a French gentleman um, whose name was Etienne de Silhouette. And he was a, a, a minister, a finance minister. And around the Seven Years' War, uh, they were having some financial difficulties. And in 1759, Monsieur Silhouette imposed uh, a little bit of austerity on the French people. And because of that, the word silhouette became synonymous with doing things on the cheap, <laughs> essentially. Um, and du- during that period of time, you know, lots of... I was going to say cuts, that's way too obvious a pun, were being made. Um, and people were using cut-out pieces of paper, or, or, or card at least, to make little portraits. So those who couldn't afford to have a portrait painter create a beautiful little miniature of their loved ones to put inside a pendant or a locket. People started making these portraits out of paper, um, and they were just, you know, just black, just no detail but a, an incredibly detailed outline, but no detail within the within the image itself. They were originally called profiles or shades. Ah. But eventually, because they were the cheap version of um, portraiture, they became known as silhouettes after Monsieur de Silhouette. I say these things are done on the cheap and much easier than a portrait and so on, but you can really tell the image of the person that the likeness portrays. They're incredibly detailed. Tearing up bits of paper, obviously, is is something that you need to do to make um, papier-mâché. Papier-mâché. I never thought of doing any research on papier-mâché. Oh, don't worry, Simon. I've been there. There we go. I've gone down that rabbit hole. In that case, (laughs) after you, good sir. (laughs) Well, papier-mâché is one of those things that has been around a long time because it's a cheap way of making something that's that's solid. Mm. I don't know whether you, as a child, made papier-mâché heads using a balloon. Yes, certainly, yes. So you inflated a balloon, you wrapped it in, in wet, gluey paper, and then you had the fun of popping the balloon and peeling it out from the inside after the papier-mâché had set. Yes, that's right. You, so, so, yes, popping the balloon was the fun bit. Mm. And um, it, it, it's just one of those materials that it's not toxic, so mm. kids can use it. Mm. it it's, it's not limited by size, so you can get up as big as you like. I mean, the biggest papier-mâché thing that I found was, it, it is in uh, Phuket. Um, and it's an elephant wearing a top hat. Really? And it's 19 feet high. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's, it, it's 19 feet long. And about 15 feet wide. <laughs> Papier-mâché, the whole thing. And, and then there's wow. those um, heads that they wear at carnivals. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Things, all sorts of things. A lot of papier-mâché turns up in carnivals. Right. You just have to hope it doesn't rain. I'm assuming papier-mâché is French for mashed paper. It is. It is. Great. How literal. And I'm sure, sure it's known by other names in other countries. Hmm. I do know what it's called in South America because they because they use it to make a thing. Do they? Now the thing that they make isn't Mexican. 
Okay, so... Um, it's actually a piñata. Ah, I would have got there if you'd given me the time. <laughs> but did you know that piñatas aren't originally uh, Mexican? No, I didn't. Where are they from? China. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> of course, the, pin- the piñata is naturally from China. Right. Marco Polo brought this idea of, of um, piñatas back from China oh. to Italy. Right. Where they were, they were seen as being great fun in a harvest thing where you, you hit the evil and release the good. Oh, how nice. And they used to be made of pot. Okay. These days they're mostly made of, of lacquered papier-mâché. Or they're made of pots that are actually decorated with ribbons of oh, paper. Right. Okay. And they are beautiful. And they have, a proper piñata has seven points. And they're supposed to be like the seven deadly sins. Oh, or, okay. The other thing that's a clue to their... Uh, origin is mm. a lot of piñatas are shaped like animals, for example, bears, cows. Right. Yes. Things to do with the Chinese calendar. Uh, very good. Right. See, my limited experience of, of piñatas comes from children's birthday parties. Um, often, you know, shop bought from a local supermarket chain. Uh, and then they're almost invariably donkeys. Because what could be more Mexican than a donkey? <laughs> and therefore, it's never occurred to me that they came in other animal forms, let yes. alone that they would be representative of, of Chinese culture. How interesting. I think that's all I have to say about paper, paper art. What about you, Simon? Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm spent on that as well. I'm, uh, I'm now lacquered. Um, <laughs> I'm mashed. Um, we've stepped up to the crease. We've put ourselves into the fold. So all we have to do now is, is to cut this down to the required time and, uh, and we're away. Thank you very much for listening. I mean, we've really enjoyed having you here. But no, we haven't, because you're not here. <laughs> you're here with us in spirit. <laughs> do you ever wonder where people are when they're listening to us? Yeah, frequently. I think they can probably tell us that in the comments. In the comments. They? I think they can. That's, that's what they're there for. So there we go. That has been Factorally. I've been Simon Wells. I've been Bruce Fielding. And uh, you've been our listeners. Thank you. Thank you for being our listeners. We do appreciate it. Indeed. Come back again soon. Au revoir. Bye-bye. <laughs>